Well, if you're, oh, if, I, if I'm emotional in the story, then people are going to think X about me or right. Y about me. Oh, is this story about you? Yeah. Or are you, try, are you serving people with your story? Welcome to You Are a Storyteller with Brian McDonald and Jesse Bryan. This program is produced in Seattle, Washington by Belief Agency. On this week's episode, we talk about charged objects and how you can use them to make a deeper emotional connection with your audience. Let me ask you a question. Okay. Uh, how much, how heavy do you, it was pretty heavy. I don't know how heavy that is. I don't know. But as far as like ore goes, what do you think this is worth? Like as far know. as just a piece of metal. Piece like of if you melted this down. I don't know, 30 cents. 30 cents? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. So as far as like the value of this, from a material standpoint, is 30 cents. Maybe. Maybe. Probably less. Mm-hmm. It's just metal. Now, will you tell me what this is? Yeah. Well, this, uh, well, I should say I was, so I was speaking at a school talking about story stuff and there was a guy who was also speaking that day. They had a lot of speakers that day. And this guy has a sort of pop-up museum that he takes around to schools and sets up in the library or something. And, um, so I met this guy and he had seen me speak or something and he said, Hey, I want, you should have this. I was like, okay. It and, looks, and just for people that are listening, it kind of looks like a mini horseshoe kind of. Yeah, a little bit of a horseshoe, a little piece of metal that yeah. it's not very big. I don't know how big, yeah. how big would you say that was? It's a little bit bigger than like a silver dollar. Yeah, something like that. So anyway, so this kind of horseshoe piece of metal, he handed it to me and said, I think you should have this. And I thought, this guy had a lot of um, African artifacts and things like that. He actually had a full on like clan Whoa. costume on display which is a weird thing to see in real life yeah. when you really see it um so i thought well maybe this is some kind of african artifact or something or i didn't know what it was and he goes do you know what it is i go i don't know and he says he said this is a piece of slave money and i'm like i don't know what you mean he goes well when they uh europeans went to africa to trade <clears throat> for slaves so they yeah. would there'd be unscrupulous chiefs who would raid other villages uh, one of the things they would trade uh, for human beings was for pieces of metal like this. So this is this is money that was used to buy human beings with in Africa. So this little like whatever we figured out, let's say best case scenario, thirty cents worth of ore. I could trade this for a human life. Well, I don't know how many you traded, but yes. So today we're going to talk about charged objects, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think that's just a really great way to kind of kick it off because once you understand what this is, you even hold it differently. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, what is a charged object, Brian? In well, uh now, uh as far as I know, I'm I'm the person who gave it that name. I didn't invent them. Yeah. But I think I gave it the name. Um now scientists have a different, you know, they have charged objects, but that's a different thing, right? Um, I'm stealing the name from um, from psychics who say that they they huh. get an object. Oh, interesting. That's where the name came from. Yeah, that's yeah. where I'm getting that. Where yeah, they I, get a hit. Oh, this was a person's that, yeah, whatever. Yeah, this is the knife that was used in the murder. Oh, and yeah, I'm getting, yeah, yeah, right. Um, and so I'm stealing the term from that because it's um, it's emotional, mm-hmm. right? So a charged object is an object that has story value. Um. Because it's emotional. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and it's not different from 
charged objects in your life, right? You have charged objects that are, um, you know, belong to somebody you cared about or, you know, your grandmother's wedding yeah. ring or something Maybe it's like in that. a hope chest or some sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe it's something you wear every day or oh, yeah. see every day, right? Um, charged objects often uh, on the outside would look worthless. Yeah. Right? But they're priceless, right? Often they're priceless. Oh, yeah. I have a necklace that scout my little girl made that's like, like just beads and stuff and i have it in a box yeah you know just because it's like well you know just don't want to lose it right it's like well on paper it has no value i mean right right and but so it, it, yeah. yeah so a charged object in a story uh is that kind of thing it, it's sort of you can create a sort of um sentimental value hmm. within a story that an audience will respond to whenever that object is brought up or seen or destroyed. Can you give me an destroyed. example? Uh, yeah. In in the movie Seabiscuit, the, the main... That's great. Yeah. Uh, the guy who owns Seabiscuit, um, uh, the main character, he, he, has a, uh, he has a little boy who died. Um, the little boy tried to drive a car um, and uh, crashed it and died. And the little boy had a little game he used to play with, like a little game with a little ball bearing in it where you try to fit it in the holes, you know, move the game around. And yeah. so he kept that. And so whenever he pulls it out in the movie, you know what's on his mind. Yeah, he's thinking about his little boy. Right. You and know? it's a worthless little It's nothing. Game. But it's everything. Yeah. You know? Um and so that's how they use the charge object. So what it does is it allows you to, without being overly sentimental, without being overly blatant or explanatory once you've charged that object with emotion you can bring it out whenever you need to mm -hmm. and and people will fill it in yeah oh that was his grandpa's baseball cap at the yeah end of the movie right oh now yeah. he's wearing it around it's yeah i like, oh, got it right yeah it's funny brands work the same way you know when you talk about like the the logo is what catches the emotion you know mm -hmm. that's why they'll put the logo at the end of a commercial where it's like you see an awesome like nike spot or something and then they'll show the logo because the logo kind of catches all that emotion Right. And then later on, when you see the logo, you feel differently. And that's that's the delta. Like and so we'll use examples from a brand perspective where we'll say, like, OK, well, how much would you pay for this? Whatever pinball machine. And then the, somebody says, I don't know, I'll give you 200 bucks for it. It's like, well, who's your favorite musician? Bob Dylan. What if I told you it was Bob Dylan's pinball machine? Would you pay more? Yeah, I'd pay ten thousand dollars. I go the difference between $300 and $10,000, that's the brand. That's the story. It is now charged because when because now you can walk in the room and be like, you know whose pinball machine it was? That was Bob Dylan's pinball machine. Whatever it is. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I have a piece of, of, uh, a, piece of a building that f it fell off the building and I'm like, I'm taking this and it doesn't look like anything. It's the, uh, what do you call it that's between the bricks? The, oh, the mortar? The mortar. Yeah, yeah. So it's a piece of mortar. And, uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's from Bruce Lee's studio, huh. his, his, one of his first studios. And, uh, so I knew that was a studio. And so, and it was a, it's an old building and it's sort of falling apart. They've sort of fixed it up since then, but yeah. I'm like, there are pieces of it on the ground. So I'm like, I'm taking this. Is it the one downtown or is there a different it's one? It's in, uh, the ID in the international yeah, yeah. district. Yeah. Chinatown. Oh, cool. Yeah. I yeah. know where that one is. I didn't know if there was one before that. Uh, I think there's one somewhere else in town, but huh. yeah. That's cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah, he was the man. So, you know, I have this piece of, it's nothing. Nobody would know. Right. You know. But for you, when you're sitting on whatever your desk or wherever you have it, yeah. you go, yeah, I'm Bruce Lee. Mm -hmm. 
what he was like and what a cool guy he was. Yeah, and I have a piece of tile from a movie theater I used to go to when I was a kid. Um, they had these tiles outside uh, as you went in at the entrance yeah. and uh, where I saw Star Wars when it came out. And so I have a piece of tile from there. You made a documentary about that theater, right? I did. Yeah. I did. Where yeah. can people see that? I like that doc. Uh, they can see it on YouTube. Oh, cool. Yeah, flickering, uh, flickering memories. Nice. Yeah, or uh, you can also see it on Vimeo. Why would, why is it important for storytellers to understand the concept of charged objects? Because um, if you're, if you're, now not every filmmaker is trying to evoke emotion. I think they should be. Right. That's up to them. Uh, if you are trying to evoke emotion then it's a it's another tool in your toolbox to do that to make that happen. Yeah. And it's a way of getting the audience to do the work for you in a way that allows you to pull off of it and not be so um you don't have to hit people over the head with what you're trying to say or right. you know what I mean? Once you bring out that object, people bring their own yep, their own emotions to it. It's kind of like in a it's an awakenings where Leonard carves his name at the beginning, and then later on you see him trying to do it again as an adult. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And that, that becomes like this thing where you know he's going back. Right. right. It's like there's some, it's really smart. Yeah. Well, there's, in Bobby Fisher, in Searching for Bobby Fisher, mm-hmm. there's, um, uh, it's so great the way they do it because, um, so uh, Ben Kingsley's character is teaching this kid how to play chess. I mean, the kid knows how to play chess. He's a chess genius, but he's like his coach. And uh, at one point, he pulls out, Ben Kingsley pulls out the certificate that says that this guy's achieved a certain master class chess player or something, and he pulls it out, and he's very careful with it. It's very delicate, and there's like a couple that, like, let me get all the creases out, let me, and he just, he's very delicate with it, and he says, uh, you know, uh, when you get enough master class points, this is what you can get. You can get this certificate, and it says whatever it says about him. And uh, the kid wants one, and he now that's all he wants. Later, um, there he's being coached, and he's like, "Well, how many points do I get?" And Ben Kingsley's like, "You don't get any points for that." And he goes, "But I, you know, I want my certificate." And he goes, "You want a certificate?" And he pulls out his briefcase, and he's got a briefcase full of these certificates. He goes, "You know what? It's just a piece of paper. It doesn't mean anything." And he starts slapping them on the table. Now, but first time he was really careful with them. Yeah, just yeah, start yeah. slapping them on the table and throwing them out on the floor. They mean nothing. They mean nothing. They mean nothing. But he gets kicked out of the house. The mom kicks him out. I'm like, "Don't do that to my son." Yeah. But then later, when the kid uh achieves a certain because Ben Kingsley's character is trying to teach the kid that um that chess is more about just winning and losing. Right. So at the end of the piece, and the whole piece is about how this kid has a has a good heart. Yeah. And so at the end of the the movie, in the in the, if you haven't seen the movie, I'm giving it away, but it's, it's still amazing. So you, I'm not ruining anything. But at the end of the movie, uh, the kid uh, is about to to win a chess match, right? And because at, at one point, Ben Kingsley says uh, he doesn't want the kid going into these tournaments because he goes, you know what? These tournaments are about winning and losing, and the dad, the kid's dad's like, yeah. What else would it be about? <laughs> and uh, <coughs> and Ben Kingsley's uh, character. Uh, uh, oh, what am I trying to say? So, oh, so, uh, so at the end, the kid is fighting his rival. They're having a chess match, and the kid says he holds out his hand to his opponent, and he says, uh, "The guy's like, what are you doing?" He goes, "I'm offering you a draw." 
Let's just share the championship. Yeah. And the kid's like, no, because the other kid wants, he's about winning and losing. The other yeah. kid is a clone character yep. who's about winning and losing, right? So that kid ends up losing, right? The Bobby Fisher kid, the uh, Josh ends yeah. up winning. And uh, at the end of that, ben K- because he's reached this uh, point in his life, his understanding that it's not about winning and losing, right? It's about something else. Now, Ben Kingsley takes out the certificate hands in the certificate and says that you've earned the certificate, right? Um, so it goes from being a valuable object to a worthless object to a priceless object. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's the same piece of paper. Yeah. Right? It's the same piece of paper. So um, it's just a great tool. And anytime you can call things back like that, it's a... You know, so a scene can almost be a charged object or a line can almost be a charged mm. object. Explain what do you mean by line? Can you give me an example of a line? Um, let me, uh, I can, I can tell you a scene and maybe a line will come to me. Mm. So in, um, in, uh, Kramer versus Kramer, uh, you know, the character, Dustin Hoffman's character is his wife leaves him and he, um, He's now, ha- he has to um, take care of his kid, five-year-old boy who he doesn't know how to take care of because he's always working and he doesn't know how to take care of this kid. And so you see him on the first day yeah, trying to make French toast for his son and it's, it's awful. It's terrible. He can't do it. He's bad at it. The next time you see him uh, later in the movie, it's almost exactly the same scene <laughs> in, in a lot of ways, but uh, they've set, they've, They've changed how they do things. So now it's like donuts and cereal for breakfast and whatever, but it's calm, right? As the two characters get used to each other. Yeah. At the very end of the movie, uh, when Dustin Hoffman has lost custody of his kid and he's making breakfast for him, he makes French toast perfectly, just quietly makes French toast perfectly. And that becomes charged, right? Because we have a memory. That's really smart. We have a memory of how they started, how rough it was. Yeah. And in the middle, it's a three act structure, but it's just for this. <laughs> yeah. Just this, you know. Um, but sometimes, um, yeah, the right line, the right word. What about get busy, live and get busy, dying? Because. Yeah. Um, get busy, live and get busy, dying. Because what does he say? He said uh, they're up against the wall and they're talking. Mm-hmm. That's when he makes the decision. Yeah. And then later on, red, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty much mimics that. Yeah, that has resonance. That's the same kind of thing that yeah. has resonance like that. Um, I know I, I had to like Roger Deakins. He like split the scene with the light. Oh yeah, it's so crazy. Yeah, that's an amazing yeah. scene. Yeah, um, but it could be anything. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah, it just um, it, it literally can be. What almost about the anything. combat thing you were telling me about? Oh, would that line be? Yeah, it's hard to explain though. Mm. It's hard to explain, but sometimes um, you can tell if a character is. Um. Yeah, that's so hard to explain. Yeah, I've explained the whole episode. What about uh, Truman Show at the end when he says, "If I don't see you," right? Because remember at the beginning he's like, "I don't remember the Truman Show." He says something like he he uses a line at the beginning and then he pulls it back again as the very last line, but mm-hmm. now it is a completely different. Yes, that's right? often what happens. Mm-hmm. It, it, uh, things have a completely different meaning. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Because it seems almost like not that big of a deal the first time they say it. And you're like, oh, that's kind of a funny line. But it's different enough that you remember. Mm-hmm. Then when they bring it back, you oh, okay. Yeah. 
But it works. You, you see it with stand-up comedy. You see it with these playbacks. Right. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. I see it in comedy a lot. Yeah. Right. Like people bring something back. Yep. That they started with or whatever. And didn't seem like a big deal, but when they bring it back, you're like, oof. Yeah. It really gets you. Yeah. Um, and it's the same thing. It's the same technique. So people respond to things because they're familiar. Mm. Right. So uh, dancers use the same technique. Uh, a dancer will often do a movement and then repeat the movement later. <clears throat> and the audience responds because they, they're they familiar with it. Right. So it's um, it's just something human beings do. Yeah. And so it's a way to tap into that. Um, how, how did you become familiar with it? Because if you, you took the kind of like the, um, uh, not say, um, what's the, the person, the charge object really came mm-hmm. from. Yeah, psychics. Psychics. But when did you start going like, oh, that's a thing? Um, I don't know. It was something I, it was something I had noticed, the pattern I had noticed. I don't think I gave it a, even a name or a term or a, or put anything on it, except um, I was talking once to Stuart Stern about it. Um, Stuart, we've talked about before. Yeah. Um, you know, pretty big deal screenwriter, and we were talking about it. And he talked about imbuing an object with emotion, but he didn't have a name for it. He just said, you know, you, you should do that, and a lot of people don't do that. Hmm. It was interesting because uh, he told me once that uh, his best friend was Paul Newman. So Paul Newman came to town to visit him. Yeah. And Stuart was teaching a class at the University of Washington at the time. <laughs> and so Paul came up and, and, uh, he came to class. Yeah. But that was, he wasn't going to come to class. But, uh, Stuart's like, I got to go teach a class. And Paul's like, well, I'll come with you. And then they oh went to class. God. And then Paul was like, is there any place I can hide? So, like, in a, is there a back room or something I can go into? And cause he didn't want to be recognized. Yeah, yeah. He didn't like being recognized. And, um, Stuart was like, no, there's no place to go. So Paul Newman just sat up front with Stuart. And as people walked into the classroom, they were shocked that Paul Newman was there. And then Paul uh, later taught part of the class and talked about object work and talked about how what you can do with objects in terms of imbuing them with emotion. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I wish I had seen that class. I don't heard. I only heard about it from Paul. Yeah. I mean, from uh, from Stuart. Um. But yeah, so I, it, it's probably amazing. I wish yeah. I had seen it. I was thinking about the verdict when you were talking about Paul Newman. Yeah, right. Like yeah. there's oh, some there's some amazing stuff, stuff with objects in that movie. That's pretty. It's amazing. Yeah, it's it's really powerful what you can do with them. Yeah, with an object. Um, anyway. I love that both of them had that language though. Imbue it with. Well, they both had that like the fact that Stuart was teaching on it, and Paul was like, "I can talk about it too." Right. They both understood it as the concept, mm-hmm. and we're just like almost like. It wasn't like, they're like, well, yeah, you guys don't know this. Right. Right? Yeah. The, the fact that he could come up and even teach on it, it means that, like, at some point, this must have been something that people just understood. I think it was. I think that um, something happened. I don't know what. Um, maybe it was this idea that you have to be an individual, right? Mm-hmm. So what happens is if somebody wants to be an individual, they, they, don't, they don't like using tried and true methods, Right. Like, oh, sure, use a charge object, but anybody mm. can. Like, they, they think it's going to make your stuff the same as everybody else's, yeah. but of course it doesn't. Um, and I think that in the old days, there was no fear of that, that people knew they, they brought themselves to the project, and any technique that helped them get their idea across was going to be useful to them. Yeah. Um, 
And now it's all about, I'm going to do something nobody has ever done before. I'm not going to do that. That's formulaic or whatever. But that's not the way the audience responds. When you do it well, they just respond. Yeah. They go, oh, that's that game that that his kid played with or whatever. Man, that's a good movie too. It's a, yeah, it's a really Speaking good Speaking of Stuart, what's on the floor right here? You want oh, to talk about that? Sure. This is a charged object too. This is... Um, I guess for people that are just listening, what are you holding? I am holding a uh, a long overcoat. Now, Stuart, I, I, I often wear long coats in the wintertime. And Stuart uh, liked my coats and that I wore them. And this was Stuart's favorite coat. Um, Just a nice... It's a very nice coat. Yeah. Uh, heavy coat. Um. Anyway, so it was Stuart's favorite coat, and when he died, his widow gave me that coat because she thought he would want me to have it. But Stuart couldn't <clears throat> wait for it to get cold so he could wear the coat. He loved it. He loved it. Uh, what I like about when I first got it, it used to smell like Stuart, which was nice. But I still feel uh, when I wear it like I'm always getting a hug from Stuart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it's charged, you know? That's so cool. Yeah. And everywhere I go, I get compliments on that coat. They don't know the... Yeah. history of it but it's like he picked a good coat and so i'm just the lucky recipient of it now but um uh but it is charged but one of the coolest things about this is once people really start connecting the dots on like this isn't made up stuff right right this isn't you observe something but it happens in nature so you right. have them in your life why wouldn't you also leverage that in your storytelling? Right. right. So I guarantee you there's things where like, uh, you know, oh, that was my grandma's wedding ring mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever it is. Oh, those are my grandpa's shoes or whatever. You mentioned something earlier. You said about your dad's shoes. Oh, yeah. Tell me about that. So uh, when my dad died, well, it's funny. You know what? I had a BLT today uh-huh. because um, I was just writing about this for the new book I'm working on it. And uh, I was just writing about BLTs. The first time I had a BLT was with my dad. We were up late. It was the first time I was up late with my dad, all just me and my dad. And the, the house was quiet. Everybody was asleep. I don't know what time it was. It seemed late to me. Uh-huh. Maybe it was 10 o'clock. Yeah. I don't, you know, but it yeah. seemed really late to me. And, uh, and he made a, a BLT. And uh, actually on the anniversary of his death, I usually uh, have a BLT. And uh, not that, but today I just wanted one because I was thinking about him. Yeah. And, uh, so sort of a charged object. Yeah. Yeah. I would, uh, we used to, we watched uh, The Honeymooners, the old sitcom. Oh, awesome. And ate BLTs. And so that's, that's uh, so I'll watch The Honeymooners often. And, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, so The Honeymooners becomes kind of charged that yep. way. Yeah. The, uh, the sandwich becomes sort of charged that way. But anyway, my dad, so when he died and I was cleaning out his apartment, um, his sister, my aunt, uh, there, there were shoes and things. And uh, I hadn't seen my dad for a long time. That's another story, but I hadn't seen him for a while. And uh, he had all these shoes because my dad was a pretty serious athlete and he had all these like, you know, nice Nikes and stuff. Excuse me. And my aunt was like, oh, you can't fit those, you know, because, you know, your dad was taller and and all of that and you couldn't fit these shoes. And. And uh, I'm like, okay. So I didn't try them on or anything. I just figured, well, I'll give them to my brother. Or I'll give them somebody, you know. And uh, and then I think it was the night before I gave his gave the eulogy at his funeral. And uh, I'm like, I wonder if I can't fit these shoes. And I was like, and I, they fit perfectly. Huh. So it was like, I'm literally in my dad's shoes right now. Like I'm literally uh, the adult here now. 
<laughs> like that's cool. Yeah, it was kind of amazing. It was an amazing feeling. Yeah, to put those they fit like a glove, like they fit perfectly. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, but that's just, but that would also work in a movie perfectly well. Right? Yeah, it's like, oh, this person, you know, he's going to give his dad. Next thing you know, you see him put him on, and then you see you he, he's given the speech at the funeral, and then you see his feet. Yeah, wearing those shoes. Yeah, like, like it's just a great thing to be aware of right yeah and like i said what i really like about it is it's it's based on nature it's based on what how we work yeah right yeah it's like you're gonna someone's house and they have trinkets and things it's like we all do it right it's like well, oh I, that car is really cool and you're like well it's not just a car that was my right. grandma's car whatever, yeah right this uh spider-man that i have here yeah so i have a spider-man toy or statue or whatever you would call it but anyway i have this in my Art. office it's, it's art. Yes. But I have it. I like it, actually. It's cool sculpture. Uh, but my uh, my friend Scott, um, who's dead now, but really liked Spider-Man. He's the guy who introduced me to comics. I really didn't read comics before him. And and, uh, and so we were uh, inseparable as teenagers. And, and uh, he was just a huge Spider-Man fan, like a huge Spider-Man fan. Everywhere. He would just go around... You know, and he only lived to see one of the movies, like the first Tobey Maguire movie. Um, but uh, he, before that, he used to just run around, you know, holding his hand like Spider-Man and saying, flit, flit, because that's what it said in the comic, uh-huh. flit, 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 like he was just crazy for Spider-Man. And I knew I associated him with Spider-Man, but um, actually when he died, his dad put the sp- the lyrics to the Spider-Man cartoon from the 60s on the funeral program, like that's really? how much people thought of him. Um, and as a matter of fact, a weird thing that happened was when he was in a hospital dying, uh, I, I walked out of my apartment to get in the car to go to the hospital to see him. And somebody had projected an image of Spider-Man on the side of a building across the street from my apartment building. Oh, crazy. Randomly. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, so, uh, when people come to my office, I have this. People think I, it's Spider-Man, but it's not Spider-Man to me. It's Scott. Right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not Spider-Man. And then even- I got nothing against Spider-Man. Yeah, but, yeah. But it's right. Scott. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. And so the big thing is like, well, how could you, if you examine your life for charged objects, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you're going to find all sorts of really cool stuff where you're like, oh, I didn't really, I never really thought about that as a charged object. Right. And you're like, well, why wouldn't you leverage that in your storytelling? Yeah. It's such a, it's, it's an amazing tool. Any of those things, that's the thing that people don't understand about this stuff, that it's, none of it is made up, right? Yeah. That, that it's not just some idea that somebody had. No, like, exactly. And that's what I want people to see. Yeah. It's not like you made something up. <laughs> right. It's all based, all this stuff works because it's based on real life. Right. The armature is based on real life. Like all these different things. Everything is. Well, I was telling you about clones, right? Mm. Clone characters earlier today. And I was saying that one of the ways I sometimes explain it is that, uh, you know, a clone character is a way to measure, right? So, um, well, Bobby Fischer had a clone character, right? You had the kid who just cared about winning and losing and the kid that that learned there was something more than, than that, right? But in real life, once I was on a train and I was going, I was, we were on the side of a mountain on a cliff. Uh, kind of. I mean, it was like a sheer drop, and this train is going around, and I was like, "Can this even be real?" Like it was yeah. so, it was so surreal. Um, I'm sure there was more ledge than it looked like, but it looked like we were just on the edge of this yeah. cliff, going around this mountain. 
And uh, as I'm looking at down, and it seemed to go down a long ways, and I'm a little nervous about it. And as I look down, at one point, we round a corner, and I see at the bottom of this, this cliff a rusted-out old train car that had obviously fallen at some point. That immediately becomes a clone. That immediately yeah. becomes something that you go, oh, wait, that could be us. We yeah. could be there. And uh, that it works in stories because yep. that's the way it works in life. Indiana Jones, right? He's going into the very first temple and there's the spikes with the guy's skull on it. Whatever. Yeah. Like, Whoa, this happened before. It could happen. To-. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Forrestal. Yep. That was a guy. Nice. Forrestal, he was good. Yeah. He was very good. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> yeah. Right. Now you know. Now the audience knows. Yep. Oh, okay. You could die here. But that clone character was a real life thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm assuming if you were to write it, whatever, something where there's a train, that would probably pop in your head. I'm sure it would. That and and once you the whole thing is like once you see the understand the concepts, then things will pop in your head that maybe you weren't aware of. I mean, you were talking about the fish thing the other day when you were teaching. What did I say? You were talking about the fish allergy, right? Oh, the right. Blue lips. Yeah. And how it just shows up, right? You want to kind of like I thought that was a, an example of like if you understand the concepts, your brain will kick in a story later on when you're writing and go, "Oh, this is a charged object." Right. How do I use this? What, you know. Right. Uh, so this is an example of how um, we use stories uh, to navigate the world, right? Yeah. So, so uh, I was talking to a woman I know. We were in an improv class together, and I was talking to her, and she uh, had been a flight attendant, and and. Uh, we were talking about things that had happened to her on planes, weird things that had happened, strange things. And she said that one time uh, she was on a plane and uh, there was a little kid who kept getting up and going to the bathroom and he was annoying all the flight attendants, but uh, she got worried about him and nervous. So she went and talked to the mother and said, uh, is your son okay? And the woman said, yeah, I think so. And she goes, well, it's just that he keeps getting up and going to the bathroom. I'm just wondering if something's wrong. And then she said she noticed that the kid's lips looked swollen to her. And um, she said, I remembered a story my parents had told me about my father having a reaction to fish, had a fish allergy. And uh, so I, I asked, is your kid allergic to anything? And she said, I, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know. She said, well, let me check something. So she checked the menu and she saw that they served a salad that had shrimp in it. So she goes, I think he's having a, an allergy, a, a fish a reaction to fish. So she got on the phone to the Mayo Clinic from the plane, and they told her what to do. And there was a doctor on board, and that helped. And, but but um, she ended up helping this kid, maybe saving this kid's life, because she knew what was going on. Yeah. Uh, when she heard that story about her father the first time, she, I'm sure she was just concerned about her father. Yeah. But what she got out of it was this survival information that we talk about what stories do, right? So she was able to recognize the symptoms. Yeah. Right. She was able to it's like, oh, wait, these are the symptoms. What causes those symptoms? This is what I know from a story. Yeah. Right. So the story is always there when you need it. And yeah. we catalog things that we put things in our. But there know. was no way when she went to work that day that she thought about that story. No. It was way back there. She probably never thought she'd use it again. Yeah. And then the second she needed it, you said it was right there. Yeah. In front of her mind. That happens all the time with us. We just don't know it happens. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of this thing's these things happen beneath the surface. So sometimes when you tell people these things, they're like, why do I have to do that? Why do I have to follow your rules? Why have to do it? This, you know, it's like, if you just calm down, (laughs) right. Yeah. And observe it in life, you'll see how useful it is because it's just, um, 
like Aristotle said, it's just an imitation of life. Yeah. And that, and that makes sense. And you, you're sort of teaching again. Um, here, we started doing, we started up our teaching schedule again. And like, it's one of the things I was, when I was setting up before you taught, I was like, you know, the whole goal of this is like, think about this less of story class, more like chemistry class. We all just want to get the same understanding of like, here's, well, this is how chemistry works. Mm-hmm. Right. Then once you know that, you could go do whatever you want with the chemistry. Right? right. The goal is not to turn, make, you know, a bunch of carbon copies of Brian McDonald. The goal is for you to be the best version of yourself. Yep. Right. And if we can all agree, it's like, well, these, when you do this and this, these compounds act this way. It's like, cool. Now go make something that's unique to you and your perspective, but you're not messing around trying to reinvent chemistry. Right. You're actually spending all your time thinking about, cool, what am I trying to say? How do I say that? What's right. the best way to do that? This yeah. baseline understanding actually is more about helping you just be and say the things you're trying to say yep. instead of goofing around with all the like, well, you say chemistry works that way. I'm going to go invent my own way of doing it. It's like we already <laughs> kind of figured out how some of this stuff works. Right. Let's just all adhere to that. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you have your version of how, you know, the planets are organized in the solar system and you go like, well, why would why would you want to go create your own? Now we can just understand. There's a baseline understanding. The sun's mm-hmm. at the middle. Yeah. Right. And then you're like, cool. Now let's spend our time figuring out what are we trying to say about the universe as opposed to arguing about whether or not the sun's at the middle of it or not. Right. Does that make sense? It's like all all you're trying to do is help somebody go like, oh, cool, charged object. Great. Now what are you trying to make? Right. Right? Right. Now how do you leverage that in a way that actually tells a story in a way that moves people and, and you know, accomplishes what you're trying to do? Yeah. You know, um, I guess what, what happens is people often even though we talk about it in intellectual terms, you can over-intellectualize this stuff, right? So you can say, um, again, well, that's the way it works for you, but I have to think of some other thing that works mm-hmm. in order to be unique, yeah. right? Um, but you don't. It works. Use it. You don't, it, do, you want, do you want to build a house or do you want to invent a new hammer? Right. Right? Yeah. So you have a hammer and you have nails. You can build whatever you want. It's just like chemistry. You can build yeah. whatever you want. But when the, the, one of the biggest problems I think people have is this thing I think I started off saying, which is they think it's somebody's concept mm-hmm. instead of an observation. And yeah. that blocks them. Yeah. Why do I have to do it that way? Well, that's just how Brian wants to do it. Right. And you're going, no, 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 hold on. I observed that people have these things, these objects in their lives. And I was talking to Stuart about it, and Stuart was like, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So did Paul Newman. And you're right. like, okay, cool. And then you just found a way, of like, for me, it seems like it's one of those charged objects that, like, yeah. you know, psychics talk about. It's like, great, but that's a naturally observed thing. And it's actually really easy to compare and contrast and go, like, do you have any? Well, yeah, I guess I have a whole bunch of those myself. Great. Well, then your characters probably do. <laughs> right. Right? Yeah. Um, and even if your characters <clears throat> don't recognize the ob- objects as charged, the audience can. Oh, sure. Like that dad uh, in Seabiz ticket. I bet he didn't realize he was doing it. It's just like, oh, I just care. This came in my, it was my kid's game. And he probably doesn't think, right? right? Like yeah. the, the significance of it. Right. right. But the audience sure sees it. Right. Or you could, you know, um, a, a space can be charged, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say so- something happened in a particular space early in the story. Yeah. You put people back in that space. Under yep. different circumstances, yeah, that space is charged. Yep, you know, um, you know, if for instance you see a couple in a space 
and and one of them is sick or one of them dies and then you see that yeah person that space all by themselves mm-hmm. right yeah that's yeah where their first date was and now they're there and it's empty and you're sitting there the audience knows exactly what you're trying to say yeah yeah um the the problem here's what i find is that people often see story structure done poorly that's when they notice it mm-hmm. so then what they the conclusion that they erroneously draw is that story structure doesn't work because when i've seen it um, it's noticeable to me. But what they don't know is, you know what, there's a hundred other times yeah. that you didn't notice. Yeah. It just worked. Anything could be done poorly. Yeah. Pointing to a poorly executed thing is not the same thing as saying that thing doesn't work. Right. You know? Yeah. It's like having a car that doesn't run and saying, well, cars Yeah, obviously... cars in general don't work. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the whole thing. It's in a perfect world. It's actually invisible. People can just enjoy the story, and mm-hmm. right. Um, and oftentimes it is. I mean, I got as somebody who studies this a lot. It's like I'll go to movies and I'll like you know, it'll be obvious to me. I'm like, oh well, there's the end of the <laughs> right. act. Just ended, or oh, that was the armature. And you look around, and it's like everybody's just eating their popcorn. And just they don't. The it's like good. Yeah, they don't know. Yeah, you know. Oh, you know. Uh, I just watched the the King's Speech again. Mm-hmm. And they do a really interesting thing because it's a charged object that isn't a sentimental object, uh, but it's a threat. Every time that microphone shows up, mm-hmm. every time that character who has to give a speech, yeah, who's afraid of public speaking because of his stammer, yeah, the microphone becomes charged. Mm. Every time you see it, you're like, oh, that represents all this. Oh, totally. Yeah, this nervousness this character mm-hmm. has. They did a great job with that too. Uh, they did an amazing job yeah. of that, yeah. Um, so that's a charged object. Yeah. You know, the mic. It's really smart. Yeah. But it could be anything. It could be a hat or yeah, sure. glasses or yep. false teeth. It doesn't matter what oh, it yeah. is. If you're walking through a museum and you saw a big top hat, you'd immediately go like, Oh, that's Abraham Lincoln or whatever. It's like these things, right? Yeah. These visuals that you can pull you can just leverage the stuff and do something really interesting. The emotion thing you said a second ago, I think is worth going back on, uh, back to. Or you said like, but I think it should be emotional, but you know, do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Like, why do you think people are so worried about having stories be emotional? I think, um, cause you and I run into that quite a bit. Yeah, we do run into that. I think that we, I don't know why in this society, we think emotions are cheap. Mm. Um, we, we're, we'd much rather be in our heads. Uh, and so we think, think that's the Descartes type. We think I think therefore I am type stuff. I think so. Now the mind got elevated above, above everything else. Yeah, above emotions. And yeah. so um I think that's can be dangerous. Yeah. Um I think stories, particularly d- drama, um by drama I mean just performed stories could be comedy too. Uh but dramas um really um I think are an emotional thing like the the greeks designed it to be yeah. emotional they knew it was supposed to be emotional so i i um that's just the way i i think they work best i think that um but there are plenty of people who think oh this movie made me think or this thing made me think and they think that's i, I don't think that's the way to go i don't think that's what the form was designed to do yeah um <clears throat> i think it was designed to make us feel uh because that's also worthwhile mm-hmm. and our society pushes back on that so Capra had that issue 
because his stuff was Spielberg has, Spiel- that, issue. has yeah. that issue, right? Um, people feel manipulated. Um, and so they'd much rather feel nothing hmm. um, than something. And, and, uh, and if you fail at making people feel, right? You attempt, but you fail. You're going to be much judged much more harshly than you would be if you fail to make somebody think, right? If you attempt to make them think, what happens is if you fail there, mm-hmm. people will think anyway. Yeah. And then they'll, they, if they're confused, they will. It's a very interesting thing about confusing people in this culture. If you confuse people with your stories, people think you're smarter than they are. They must be really smart because I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. Right? Which is something I don't understand. Right? If, if I think the primary job of a storyteller is to communicate, if you can't communicate, that's on you. That's not on me for not getting it. Right. But we in this society tend to blame ourselves for not getting it. Yeah. Right? We don't put the onus on the storyteller. Yeah. Right? We put the onus on the listener. It's like, why is the responsibility on yeah. the listener? Um, well, it's backwards. It is backwards. And of course that just automatically puts you in your head because you're trying to figure out what are they doing? What are they, right? Yeah. But there are people who love to live in that space. Um, uh, they get a dopamine hit or something from living in that space. And so they go, mm. this was good because I'm getting this dopamine. Yeah. Hit. Um, but getting a dopamine hit isn't always good. Right. No. <laughs> you know? No. Um, but there are a lot of people who like to live in that space and they think it's a, uh, it's a much safer space in this society to, to live in. Yeah. Um, there's, you're risking something if you go out with emotional right. content, right? But that's what we actually want. Like, that's what... Yeah, it is, it is what we want. Um, you know, I mean, people... When you do something that is emotional, that really works, like Shawshank Redemption or mm-hmm. something, there's no substitute. There's no... You know what I mean? Yeah. Th- nothing's better than when that happens. Right. You know? And you don't have to argue. It's funny. When something's intellectual and not emotional, yeah. people have great discussions about what it means and this and that and whatever. And oh, I think it means this. I think it means that. Blah, blah, blah. But when something's emotional and it really works, there's no trying to convince people. People don't say, boy, I- you should see Shawshank. I'd be interested to know what you thought about Shawshank. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think it's pretty good. They go, oh my God, that's a good movie. Yeah. You know, really it's simple. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. They don't make excuses for it. They don't. Yeah. E.T., whatever. Any yeah. Those, yeah. Any Nemo. You yeah. know, oh, that's so good. Yeah. Oh man, those first few minutes of Up. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. You hear people talk about like, it's crazy. It's like, they don't, it's like they love to feel stuff, but the risk in creating it People are scared of creating it. Yeah. They're scared of it because if they fail, this is just not a society where we, where we, it's just easy to pick on people who try to do something emotional. Right. And we're afraid of it. And anybody who does that kind of work is really being brave in this society. Yeah. It's really hard. It is hard. But, but going back to look at the first setting, right? The nature, nature, it's like, People are emotional. I think the future, we talk about brands, you know, from here, it's like the future of brands or whoever's the most human is going to win. Like, it's all about being human. Right. And how do you get more and more vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. Because why try to compete with a computer? 
Right. We're never going to be computers. We're right. organic. Right. Right. It's like, if you really think our stories should be like computers, you're crazy. Right. It doesn't make any sense. Right? Well, yeah. We're human and beings and human beings are emotional creatures. Not only that, emotions, that's why we do things, right? So, so it's why, it's like, if you're going to convince anybody. Be like, I want to be in love intellectually. You'd <laughs> yeah. be like, really? Yeah. Like, I don't want any of that other weird feelings. Yeah. I don't want the whole feeling side of love. I want the intellectual experience of love. You'd be like, huh. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, like, you your have... therapist would go like, run that by me one more time. Cause that doesn't, right? Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking about like the problems we have, like with climate change and all of yeah. that. Right. When we don't talk about it in emotional terms, we are, I think, doing a disservice to the problem. Yeah. Right. Easy so to ignore. It's easy to ignore. Right. But uh, when people think about their kids, living in this world that we're making. Yeah. Right. Cause that's a real thing. Yeah. Um, and it's honest to talk about the emotions there. Yeah. You know, there's a, uh, an episode of the twilight zone that Rod Serling wrote called the shelter. Uh huh. Have you seen Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Where he builds a bomb shelter. The character builds a bomb shelter and, uh, he only has enough room for so many people. And, People keep trying to come into his bomb shelter because they think that, uh, that there are nukes coming. And uh, the guy's like, I only have room for, you know, my family. And he lets some people in. And one guy said, you got to let my kids in. You know, so it's this yeah. whole thing about about that. And, and there's an interview with Rod Sterling talking about that episode. And they were asking, well, would you build a bomb shelter? Do you have one? And he goes, well, I was, you know, I thought about it. He goes, my wife and I talked about it. But, um you know, I have two kids and, uh, he said, survive for what? Like, yeah. what world would I be? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't want them to live in a world after a nuclear right. war. Like, so he just thought, he, you know, he got to the point where he thought it was sort of cruel mm. at that point. Um, that it would be easier if they just all went together, all yeah. went together versus like, you know, radiation poisoning and people fighting over a can of soup yeah, and stuff right. you know no, you know it sounds awful yeah, yeah it sounds awful and he's like nah i don't want that and so but but he put it in emotional terms mm -hmm. right um i think that we don't understand but that's why all that his stuff works all, yeah all the rod sterling stuff worked yeah. because it was that it was it emotional. was emotional yeah and we don't understand how powerful that is and we're afraid of it but if you're not afraid of it it's amazing what you can do. Mm -hmm. it's, it's amazing how you can move people and change people. Um, you can change their mind a lot more easily yep. with emotions. Yep. They actually feel something. It's a completely different thing. Yep. And um, if people understood that, they wouldn't be as, as afraid of it. Yeah. Um, they're also, fear is making it about you, by the way, I think. Hmm. I don't understand. What do you mean by that? Well, if you're, oh, if, I, if I'm emotional, in the story, then people are going to think X about me or right. Y about me. Oh, is this story about you? Yeah. Or are you try? Are you serving people with your story? Oh, you and I, we made that that one thing, and there was those two people in it. They got emotional, right? Mm -hmm. And that got cut. And we we're going, why would you cut this stuff? And they were cut it because they thought it was too emotional. Right. But it was a documentary and all those things that actually happened. And the person was being emotional about the subject we were shooting. Right. And we kind of looked at each other going like, what? Why would you cut it? 
why would you cut that? It's a, it's so important to the film. And it was because them being emotional is what scared them. Right. And so you're just like, well, we just cut the whole card of the film out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, People it's often just, cut the heart more out. like a I've told, informational I, class now. Yeah. I've, I've mentioned that before. People <clears throat> will often cut the heart out. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen that several times. People, if something's working, it will often be attacked by other people. Yeah. Like that thing, that whole thing, cut that out. Yeah. I've, I've had that happen several times. And then the crappy thing is they cut it out and then they put it out there and it's probably usually more successful than other things. Yeah. And they go, well, it's a good thing we cut that out. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, well, there's no way to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, it's, it's like, true. Like, let's run your version and our version. Yeah. And that's why it's like, it's like you're screwed no matter what. Yeah. Um, but what I found is that the stuff that I got pushback on, often when it does come out, if it comes out the way I want, uh, is the stuff that people respond to the sure. most. Oh, that was great. Yeah. Yeah. I love those characters. And they're like, well, yeah. <laughs> no one else is ever going to get to see him. Again. Yeah. You know, or whatever. I mean, like, even the stuff that's like, there were plenty of things, old souls. Yeah. Um, there were some things people wanted me to change about that. Um, when it was a screenplay before it was a graphic novel that I didn't change. Hmm. And people, like what? Um, can you talk about any of them or would uh, it well, put somebody uh, on blast like your editors? No, 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 yeah. no, no. Uh, uh, well, in the beginning of that story, uh, this is not about charged object or anything. This is about just the, you know, the struggle of, yeah. Yeah. But at the beginning of the story, there are some guys uh, talking, reminiscing about uh, their deaths. Yeah. And um, there's a reason that was put there at the beginning because um, of outer boundaries, right? So I, I think that a good story lets people know exactly where it's going to go in terms of what you're expecting the audience to swallow, right? Right. I'm going to expect you to believe this. So yeah. you introduce it as quickly as possible. Harry Potter can fly on a broom or whatever. Whatever, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you have till the end of the first act, essentially, to introduce that stuff. Yeah. But I like to start with it if I can. So I started there be partially because you have to see a guy's regular life after that. Mm -hmm. You just got to see a guy live his life. Yeah. But right? you know it's going to come back to that death thing. Right. Yeah. And I had a, uh, somebody uh, say to me, you should cut that whole opening. And I'm like, hmm. well, I can't cut it. And I like, they were like, I don't think you need it. And I was like, but you can't unknow it. Yeah. Right? A new audience won't have that information yeah, yeah. that you now have. No, if you cut that, that would change the whole thing. Right. And he, this guy was insistent that I cut it. Huh. And, uh, and he probably worked. Hmm? I'm assuming he worked. Like he was a, a writer or something. Yeah, he was a. Because I, I know that sometimes you have these. Like really incredible people read your stuff. Yeah. And that's the stuff that usually create. I'm like, really, Brian? That's interesting. You'd be like, yeah, no, this person's very good. But, or they have a big reputation or something. Mm -hmm. They thought I should cut this thing or that thing. And I'll be like, really? Yeah. 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 It's, that's, it's tough for me because um, I think people think I'm inflexible. Mm -hmm. So that can be tough. I but think you know that opener had to be there. Yeah. And if you read the book, anybody who's read the book will go, yeah, of course. How else would you open it? Yeah, but they just thought, oh, just start with a guy's life. I'm like, but why would you read that? Yeah. There's nothing, 
right? It's uh, you start with Indiana Jones being chased by boulders and then you show him in the classroom. Yeah. That's the way it works. Yeah. You show James Bond doing some crazy thing and then you show him getting his assignment. That's yeah. the way it works. Yeah. So you don't just, you don't start a James Bond movie with him in an office getting an assignment. Yeah. Nope. Totally. <laughs> yeah. It works for very specific reasons. It's not a fluke. Right. And like we talked about before, if you study the old directors, they'll tell you stuff like that. Well, they say it all the time. You got to do this if you want people to feel like that. And then you got to do this. And then when you're done with that, you got to move over here because it's important that they know this or what. Like they understood there's things you can do to help help drive people towards the correct outcome. Yeah. It's really strange because, yeah, you can read if you read any. I say this all the time to people and they don't do it. You read any old classic director. You read an interview with them. You will, they will, there will be information, principles that you can use, that mm-hmm. you can apply to oh, your yeah. own work. And they'll just give it away. Yeah. Here you go. This always works. Do yeah. this. I watched an interview with Hitchcock today. Just fires gold constantly. Yeah. Nobody listens to it, uh-huh. but he tells you exactly how to do what he did. Yeah. Um, but all those people could do it. Chaplin can do it. Every, all those people can do it, right? But pick up an interview now with anyone at random and see if you learn anything you can apply. You will not. You'll learn about them and their approach and their thoughts and their ideas and how they yeah. never, nobody had ever seen this on the screen before. Or you learn a lot about them. Yeah. But you don't learn a lot about the craft. Hmm. You know? I told you I read an interview today where the, the person who's been interviewed was like, I don't see stories having any like responsibility towards the pretty much the content they're creating. Mm-hmm. Like whether it's a moral story or anything, I just don't. See why it's storytellers would have any responsibility to the stories they're putting out or reading them being like, oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah. I think that's not an unusual position, but it doesn't, if you know anything about history and the history of storytelling, you would know that that's, it just didn't develop that. Stories didn't develop that way. Um, stories developed uh, Zen parables, yeah. and all these things. They developed specifically to have a reason to be told. Sure. Right. And not just to entertain. Yeah. Right. Uh, that's the way it is. Yeah. Aesop's fables and any mythology, any, Whatever. everything, the Bible, the, anything, the, anything, yeah. anything. So all the stories we've told for thousands of years have always had a reason to be told. Jaws, Nemo. Yeah. Really want, like whatever. Yeah. So the idea, again, I think that's ego based. I can just yeah. do what I want. Oh, well, okay. Is, yeah. it, is this about you? Yeah. What, then why don't you just sit at home and think it up? Why are you making me sit through it if it's uh-huh. not for me too? Right. Right? Yeah. You don't need to make it then. Just sit home and think. Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny because then if you ask them a favorite movie, it's, you know, oh, what about, oh, I love One for the Cuckoo's Nest or I love yeah. what I'd be like, oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There was something he was tr- like, there's, yeah. there's something going on here. Ah, my cement. It's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. You know, it wasn't just. A thought experiment. Yeah, there are reasons to tell stories, and I think that, I don't know why, with the big fight, I think, you know what it is? I think people are afraid of the responsibility. Hmm. They're afraid of it. That's why they run from it. They're afraid of it. And you can be judged on it, too. Well, you were talking about Rod and the the airplane, or the... Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Rod Serling wrote a television movie where a guy, it was, I, it was the early 70s or late 60s, he wrote this thing. And uh, a guy in the movie brought a bomb onto an airplane and so uh and then later uh shortly after that somebody did that and i don't know if it was linked to 
what Rod Serling had written or not, but Rod Serling certainly took it that way and thought I have a responsibility to put different things in the world and make sure that I don't, yeah, uh, you know, don't uh, inspire people to do these kinds of yeah. things. Um, but he thought about that. Stuff. He thought yeah. about it. Now people can argue about whether or not, well, it's a crazy person. You can do that. That's fine. But it's interesting that he felt some responsibility. Yeah. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that feeling, you know, like, okay, I, I'm putting a thing out there. People will consume this thing. Right. It's the difference between putting out, you know, junk food. Yeah. That's actually poisoning people. Right. Yeah. And putting out nutritious yeah. food. Like, right. it's like, well, I don't think food needs to be nutritious. Yeah. Well, okay. Right. But you're poisoning people. Yeah. You okay with that? You know? Yeah, people Apparently. are. Some yeah. people are. There's an itch. I heard an interview with. Well, it's like those tech CEOs who won't let their own kids use devices. Yeah, but they'll have a whatever. Yeah, hundred billion dollar company and be like, I mean, I'd never let my kids use our products, but you know, you should let yours. Well, there was a guy. I heard a woman on the radio whose father invented Lunchables, hmm. and he saw her eating one once, and she was proud because her dad invented them, and he was like, "Oh, don't eat that," <laughs> like. Hey, really? You'll let somebody else's kids eat it, yeah. but you won't eat it? Really, he wouldn't let his daughter eat it? No, he wouldn't let her eat it. Don't eat that. <laughs> weird. Isn't that That's yeah. so weird. It's wild. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just think, you know, you can't, you can't... Look, people will do anything, and people will take what you do however they want to take yeah. it, and there's all kinds of people with all kinds of things happening in their head, and you can't be responsible for that. Sure. But you can't be responsible for your intentions. Right. Right? You can't be responsible yes. for that. You know, like, well, I can't just do this because um, that's irresponsible. So let me try to be a little bit more responsible right. with what I try to put out. It doesn't mean you can't have violence and it doesn't mean you can't yeah, sure. do it. It doesn't mean any of those things. Um, but it means you're, you're, you know that human beings are going to consume this, but they will. It'll go in their head. Right. And I want to think about it, right? Yeah. Um. And also just like, man, I'm convinced that like, I, the people that have the guts to go for emotion, I mean, that's where that will, it will cut through the noise. Mm -hmm. Like, cause there's so much content coming out, right? Yeah. Um, and so much of it is just these bullshit thought experiments, mm -hmm. right? Where it's like, yeah, you know, I hypothesize it. Oh, it's like, just stop it. Like you're trying to <laughs> yeah. make something worth watching. Right. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I still think there's room for, like. If if a new version, like, if the equivalent of E.T. were to come out today, mm -hmm. it would go nuts. Yeah, I think that's true. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, if the equivalent of Wizard of Oz came out today, it would go nuts. I think so. Right? I yeah. mean, we haven't grown, we haven't evolved in the last hundred years away from emotion. No. Right? No. We just don't get a lot of yeah. it. Yeah. We just don't. Yeah. Yeah. I heard they're rebooting Princess Bride and people are pissed about it. And it's like, I guarantee you. Right, they're gonna cut the heart and soul out of that movie. Yeah, right. It's like the Grinch. I know, you know. It's like I watched yeah. the Grinch. I was like, this is not the Grinch. Right, right. Also, Princess Bride. You know, it's 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 fine. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, in the scheme of things, it ain't that old. Yeah, right. You know what I mean. It's in color and yeah. You know, it's it's a talkie. Yeah, you know, leave you, it alone. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't, uh, I don't understand why you would do that. I mean, uh, but I they don't, don't they're not making anything new. They're afraid. Yeah. Right? So they're not making anything new. What else can we? Yeah. 
What else can we reuse? But not only reuse, what could, it's not even like remember when they made the psychos like shot for shot. It's mm-hmm. like it's not even reuse. It's it's remake and dumb down. <laughs> yeah, and suck the life out of it. Yeah, it's like oh, I love this bread I got in France. So I want to make a new version of it that's a white loaf of bread without all the nutrients in it <laughs> yeah. that I can mass produce <laughs> and sell at scale. And you go, that is nothing. That's not even the same. <laughs> yeah. that's It's not going to taste like the same bread at all. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's it's the, it's a, it's a really strange thing. But, I mean, just coming back to our charged objects thing, like... Um, Again, man, this is just one of those, like, I asked if we could talk about it today because I think it's one of those little things that doesn't seem like that big of a deal. But, boy, once you get it, it makes all the difference. And it's such a great way to make a point without making a point. Yeah. You know? It's like you said, that the, the pulling out that little game, and, you know, it's his little boy's game. And it's like, boy, every time he does that in the movie, it is so effective. Yeah. Or Bobby Fischer, right? Yeah. It could or, be anything. It could be anything. It could be anything. Yeah. If they did a thing on, what's that noise? That's a camera overheating. Oh, is that what that is? <laughs> there it goes. You said they did a thing? Uh, yeah, what was I going to talk about? Um, I got distracted. Oh, you said, you said that it's, uh, it's super effective. Yeah, I forget what I was saying. So I was just saying, I was just saying that like all these charge objects, this is just a great thing. If you understand it, you could leverage it to do heavy lifting for you without necessarily having to have somebody say, you know, my dad used to come to this old ballpark. It's like, yeah, we'd call, we, if you show that to me in the movie, you just walk through the ballpark and we know what it means to you, right? Yep. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. You can, you can, um, oh, there's a great thing in parenthood. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of great things in parenthood. Parenthood is unbelievably well-written. Yeah. That, that movie is really well-written. Yeah. And uh, there's the son, adult son, who is is uh, uh, problematic. Yeah. And uh, he's always he always needs money, and he always yeah you know. And there's a scene. He's a good actor too. Yeah, Tom Holtz plays mm-hmm. uh, Amadeus. Yeah, Amadeus. Yeah, and um, also um, what well, can't I think of his name? He's really great in it. Um, Jason Robards. Mm, yeah, really good in it. Oh yeah, plays the dad. Yeah. And uh, he, uh, they're talking, and the kid needs money and whatever, and they're having a talk in the garage. Yeah, in the in the dad's garage, and his dad has this antique car, and he goes on about this antique car. Yep. And uh, you know, like I, I had a car like this when I was a kid, yeah, and all finally got stuff. it fixed up. Yeah, uh-huh. it's like oh man, you know, and then. Uh, this kid needs money because some some there's some gamblers that yeah. want you know he like he whatever so um he owes a bunch of money and anyway later the dad goes to his garage opens the door and his car is gone yeah because his son took and sold that car yep um you have a response there's an emotional response you have because you know what that car meant yep. Just seeing the empty garage. Yeah, you didn't need any more than that. Yeah. She just opens up the garage and you see it and that's all. That, that's like, all, yeah. You don't need any more. You don't need anything else. It's like, oh, that's okay. And the way they raised his kids too. Like his kid, his oh, son yeah. and stuff. Like, man, there's some good stuff in that. There's some really good stuff in, the, in that movie. Yeah. It's really well written, really well But then later on with the car, doesn't he also just kind of go like, fine, whatever. Yeah, he lets it go. Yeah. Um, Which shows how much he loves his kid. Like there's, a, it's really... 
Yeah. But yeah, it's a charged object. It went from just being another car. Right. To this thing. He worked his whole life and he's finally, you know, yeah. able to like have that car he always wanted and Yeah. And then his son takes it. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, you have to give it that emotion. You imbue it with that emotion. Yep. And then it's the absence of it. Yep. Right? Not the presence of it, but the absence of it. Yeah. That um has the power. hundred percent. No, that's great. There's so many good examples. There are a ton of good examples. Um I mean, remember, like, what about even, like, E.T., the flower from E.T., right? Oh, the flower that's, yeah. that's dies when it he's dies. dying. It's because you saw what he did, the right? Yeah. You set it up like he can do this thing. Yeah. And then they cut back to it, and God. Yeah. When it's dying, uh-huh. you go, oh, my God. Such a smart. People see that stuff, I think, and they go, like, they're like, yeah, it's obvious. It's, simple. <laughs> yeah. it's like, try coming up with that. Yeah. It is such an insane. It's really hard to do. That's really hard to do. And doesn't the flower, it does. It starts to, when he comes back alive. When he comes back alive, he sees the flower and it's yeah. coming back. Yeah, yeah. And then that's what makes him go, wait a second, is he alive, right? Yeah. But it's just so smart. Yeah. It's, really it's like, smart. just put the, the soul into the flower, and then later on, you don't even need to see E.T. respond. You go, oh, the flower. Right. Right? It's really, really nice. It's, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's, I just don't know. You know, it's funny. Uh. Okay, here's a here's a line. I've probably mentioned this before, but this is a really good example of um, a line, uh, a callback or a replay, whatever you want to call it. Um, in comedy, they would call it a callback. Uh, in the old days, in storytelling, they would call it a replay. But a line or an idea can become charged, right? Mm-hmm. So what happens in Aliens is at the beginning of that movie... Ripley, uh, the main character, has been in suspended animation for 70-something years or whatever, right? Yeah. And after escaping this alien, and then, uh, uh, you know, she wakes up. They tell her how long it's been. She has this nightmare about an alien. And uh, you see her have this nightmare and wake up in the hospital where she is. And uh, the nurse says... uh, Says, oh, you you had a nightmare. You want me to give you something to help you sleep? And Ripley Ripley says, no, I, I've slept enough, right? Yeah. <laughs> because she slept for yeah. 70-something years, right? Yeah. So she goes through the whole movie. At the end of the movie, uh, they're going to be put in suspended animation because they have a long journey. Yeah. Right? And she's putting Newt, the little girl that she saved, she's putting Newt in the thing. And Newt says, can we dream? Or can I dream? Uh-huh. And Ripley says, yeah, I think we both can. Because that's the arc of the story yeah. for her, right? She can now sleep. Now yeah. she can sleep peacefully. Because she now dealt with it. She dealt with her problems. So she's not going to be plagued with nightmares right. anymore. And so because she started with not being able to sleep, I slept enough to, yeah, I it sure matters. would like to sleep. Yeah. That's charged. Yep. Right? Well, what I wrote down, as soon as you said a line, I wrote down be good. Right. That's exactly right. When When E.T. learns how to talk. Right, he's they're watching Sesame Street. Gertie's watching Sesame Street, and E.T.'s just hanging around. And uh, it's the Sesame Street where the letter B, and they're talking about the letter B. B is for basket and baseball and whatever. And uh, and uh, E.T. pops his head up and says B. <laughs> right, right. And he doesn't talk until then. Yeah, you don't know he can talk. Yeah. So uh, B, 
And she says, uh, Gertie says, you said be good. And he says, be good. It's so smart. It's man. really smart. <laughs> right, right, right. And then. Uh, God. Yeah. And then. Um, when they bring it back at the end, it yeah. crushes. Yeah. Yeah. When they're saying goodbye. And he says, yeah. to her, be good. <laughs> you don't get any better than that. That's like a slam dunk. Oh, it is. That's when you talk about like threading the needle. Yeah. Structurally and just it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's interesting? Cause the because everybody remembers that. The brother, the older brother, they're saying goodbye. And the older brother says he doesn't know goodbye. E. T. doesn't know because that's not something they taught him. Yeah. So it's only the stuff. So he says, be good to Gertie. But because when Elliot got hurt, yeah, and said, "Ouch!" Yeah, Et knows "Ouch" because he healed the, his cut. Yeah, right. So when he's leaving, <sighs> so good. He points to Elliot because he knows Elliot's hurting because he's leaving. Yeah. He's "Ouch!" So good. It's so good. <laughs> that movie's <laughs> insane. <laughs> it is. It looks easy. No, you know? it looks easy. Yeah. That's why you know you're good. Yeah, it looks easy, but he's it's so good, impossible. man. It's impossible. It is impossible. Yeah. Nobody knows how to introduce a character like that guy. No. I read Nobody. that script a bunch of times. When that yeah. movie came out, I bought that script. I read it a bunch of times. A bunch of times. I've read that script over and over. I still yeah. have it someplace. I've read it over and over and over and over again. But we were talking about how like Reese's pieces became charged objects. They did. So here's a candy that wasn't a big deal. As soon as this movie comes out, it explodes. Why? It wasn't the candy. It's like when kids got it, they were thinking about this feeling. Yeah. Right? yeah. That's why people get souvenirs. Yep. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember when Star Wars came out. The you know, what I call Star Wars. Yeah. It's called episode four now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh -huh. when when Star Wars came out, I remember everybody had a May the Force Be With You button. Yeah. Uh everybody. Or a t shirt. Yeah. Yeah, because it was the feeling. It was it, it was, was the feeling. It was the feeling. That's what they wanted a piece of. Yeah, it was magic. Yeah. Like something in life that was good. Yeah, or when I saw the Lion King, you know, yeah. on stage, like the merchandise, the, they make so much money selling merchandise, yeah. and you'll pay anything. Oh my God, that was so uh -huh. good! Yeah. How much for this? Five hundred dollars. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. you know, you know, whatever right. it is, you'll pay anything. No, it's 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 how it works. But the funny thing is, you, when you're talking to corporations or companies or whatever, and you're like, this should be emotional, and they're like, ah, you know, it doesn't need to be emotional, like. You're like, oh, I guess you don't want to sell merch. You know, it's like you don't understand. Like, even if if you really understood what you were talking about, you would see that this actually, you know, actually moving people and structuring appropriately and all that kind of stuff will move people. And then as a result, you'll sell more candy or whatever you're trying to do. So when Iron Man yeah. dies, uh huh, what happens? What does he say? Do you remember? Because his daughter and he have a oh, thing. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. That I love you uh I love you 10,000? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, right? No, it was the best line of the whole movie. I love you 10,000 cuz they say that, uh -huh. right? Yeah. And then when he dies, his hologram or whatever yeah. says that and you go, "Oh man." No, it was the best part of the whole movie. And he still like he said it. I saw Robert Downey Jr. speaking somewhere and he somebody said, "I love you." He goes, "I love you 10,000." Like that's Yeah. Because it's imbued with emotion. That's right. Yeah. I told you I saw that movie and I was like, that line, that was the line that got it. Yeah. But it's smart to put that line in there. Of course it is. Because it was just this little moment with him and his daughter. And then you have all the big explosions and, you know, stuff or whatever. And then it come back to that. That's when he just landed it. And good writers know that. Right. And they're not scared to do that. 
Right. Ah, cut this. It feels a little sappy. I mean, he says, I love you 10,000. You know, it's kind of like, what did parents say that? And you're like, yes, 100%. (laughs) Yeah. That's why it works. Yeah. But that's what the difference between Marvel and DC. Yeah. Marvel would keep the line. DC would cut it. Or they'd blow somebody's head up or whatever. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. But you just just go like, no, that's that's why it's good is because it's human. Mm Mm-hmm. And- you know, here's a guy that had everything, but the one thing that mattered to him was his daughter. It's right. like, of course, that yeah. makes a ton of sense. Yeah. It's smart. It's really smart. So, yeah. So, char- you know, you can have charged objects, charged lines, charged spaces. Yeah. You know, um, but anything that you can bring back. Yeah. That you've imbued with emotion that you can bring back or take away in the case yeah. of parenthood. Um, people will have an emotional response to it. They can't yeah. help it. It's natural. Yeah. Um, and it's just like in life when you have, you know, I have my dad's watch. Yep. My dad's shoes. Yep. You know. Um, Got the jacket. Stuart's coat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I have a few other things from Stuart. But yeah, you know, those things, or Spider-Man, you know, the, the, Scott, you know. Yeah. All those things, Um, we all have them. I told you, I was like, man, the older I get, the more I hope that, like, the older I get, the more vulnerable I get. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think it's true even for writing. I think it's true for storytelling. It's like, if anything, I look back at the stuff when I was writing in my 20s and it was so just like, you know, trying to be cool or whatever. It's right. Like, oh, man, like get out there and just bleed. Like give them something that yep. actually moves people. Like be okay with putting it out there. Yeah. And just going like, this is it. This is what matters to me. This is, this is, um, yes, there's going to be people out there that might make fun of it because you went for the emotion. Right. Right. Here's but what, it's a human thing that you did. But here's what's interesting to me about that. You know, I'm writing this piece now and it it's requiring me to really s- s- spill a lot of blood. Yeah. Um, I always feel like I need to leave a piece of my soul on the page. Yeah. Honestly, like it takes a toll, like yeah. a real toll. And that's where I'm at right now with this piece. And what's interesting about that is that if anybody's going to have a problem with it or make fun of me for it, yeah. it's like that's on them. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, like I'm not gonna, you know what I mean? All I'm trying to do you is always the gotta best. go like, what have you done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to do the best work I know yeah. how to do. Yeah. The best way I know how to do. Uh-huh. Um, and that's imbue it with emotion um and and honesty. And and if somebody has a problem with that, that's their problem, not my problem. Yeah. That's the truth of it. Because um, then everybody else who reads it, they're actually moved. Right. right? So, you know. And you were actually able to connect with somebody and talk to them. Yeah. And Because here's the thing. Life is so emotional. Yeah. We have a thing called death. Yeah. We have thing, a thing called love. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. We have things like betrayal. We have, like, yeah. like it's all emotional <laughs> all, all the, the time. time. Yeah. And so to be like, not in my universe, you go like, <laughs> okay, that doesn't make any sense. We're organic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like you forget. Like we're we're easy we're so vulnerable yeah. and delicate. Like it doesn't take anything to take a person out. No. Right? And you go like and it's sad and it's mm-hmm. and then you remember the good things and it's good that they were here and like it's like being a human is very difficult. Yeah, it is. Right? Yeah. And to pretend like it's not is just silly. It is silly. And it's, it's not a storyteller's honest. job to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know how you could try being honest without being vulnerable or just just saying this I don't is either. this is it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. When people try to be robots, it doesn't make any sense. It's like you're always going to be a bad robot. But you <laughs> could be a good person, right? Yeah, right, right. 
and it's like I'm sure you know editors and stuff. I'm saying pitching books or whatever. Yeah. They're like, ah, oh, you know, it feels like, you know, you might be pushing this too far. It's like, no, push it. Right. By all means, push it. You were talking about Glenn Keane when he did the thing with Ariel. Yeah. Right. Right. That pose that she does. Yeah, because he, she was singing, uh, part of this, part of the part of this world, world yeah, yeah. part of the world. Uh, which I know. Again, I know everybody knows it. I yeah. always forget it. But, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, I know the song and I know yeah. the sequence. But, um, but when she's singing, he said that he drew her reaching out and it's it's like the shot is looking down yeah and she's reaching out on and a she's going line. up towards the light yeah, yeah in her like and he or... thought it was maybe too far he thought he'd maybe gone too far he was almost embarrassed about how but he goes that's what i felt mm. that's what i was that's feeling what I felt. that's, that's what i felt and so that's what i drew and he risked going too far yeah he risked it and he said boy people will come up to me all the time and tell me Boy, when I saw that, I knew exactly how she was feeling, or I felt that, or whatever. Yeah, you know, uh, people who are grownups now who were like kids when they saw it, and how much it meant to them that she just that thing that he yeah. was afraid of, and that's the funny thing is that people don't understand that thing you're afraid of, that thing you're afraid to do, when it comes to emotion is usually the thing that people are like, oh, thank you it's for what, doing it. It's that. what's going to unite us. Yeah, it's re it's really interesting because every time you do it, people will say that's the thing. Hey, that's the thing. Princess Bride. Life is pain. Right. Anybody tells you anything, says different. anything, anybody says anything different is trying try to sell, to sell you, you something. And that's true. Right? Yep. That's true. And so, but it's funny. We even go back to Princess Bride. Yeah. Apparently they're rebooting for some reason. Right. Yeah. But you go like, life is pain. Right. Yeah. But also there's love. And I was it's like, go for it, man. Make it a human experience. Yeah. Be okay to move people. Endow things with meaning. Like, knock their socks off. I mean, my God, if you haven't seen E.T. in a while, watch it again. And- It'll blow your mind. Uh, you you talked about Bobby Fischer. You got yeah. Spider Man, right? You, like, it's it's push it. Understand, understand it, and go for it. And um, don't be scared of it. Don't be scared of it. Be honest. Yeah. Right. That's how you stop yourself from being cheap. Yeah. Right. Be honest. If it's honest, it will work. Yeah. If you're pushing it to a place that isn't honest, then it won't work. It'll yeah. look false, and people, you know. If it's honest, it'll work. But I love you. Ten thousand was honest. Yes, it was honest. I mean, I have a little girl. As soon as they said that, I was like, "Oh God!" <laughs> because right, right, because it is honest, right. And I have my equivalent of that mm -hmm. with my daughter, and whoever wrote it probably does too. Yeah, because it's an honest thing, mm -hmm. and that's why it'll work. Yeah. Right. All this stuff in me T works because it's on, like the what's great about ET is like the the conversations they have, like the real mean things he says to his mom and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like. It works because it's like, oh, God, you look back and you're like, oh, I've said some mean shit to my mom, too. Like, you don't, the more human it is, the more honest and vulnerable, the more it will connect with people. Yeah. But, man, it's, it feels like you're jumping off a high dive but, into a pool with no water, but that's not what will happen. That's Yeah, it's not what's happening. It just feels that way. Yeah. Um, and if you, can, if you can lean into it and do it, um, it does take, it is courageous. Yeah. But, um. That's the job. The job is to be courageous that way. Um, I think I, I didn't know what it meant to be courageous as an artist until I butted up against the opposite. Hmm. Then I realized that some things that I was doing were considered courageous. Hmm. Like, oh, you're going to say that? You're going to put yourself, you know, when, when I was doing the movie, um, I was talking about with the tile, the movie theater, yeah. uh, that movie, Flickering Memories. When I did that movie, 
there was some debate about whether or not I should put myself in there because I'm emotional in the piece. Like, oh, it's kind of cheap. But that's, well, I was actually emotional. So yeah. it wasn't a lie. Well, that piece we were just talking about a minute ago, right? We're like, no, but the, the people in the movie were crying because they're emotional. Right. Like, ah, oh, cut them out. Makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Why? Yeah. It wasn't, that's yeah. what happened. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Right? Yeah. Emotion shouldn't make us uncomfortable. No. Um, it's funny because when I gave my talk at the EG conference, yeah, um, it was a pretty emotional, vulnerable, yeah, talk, and it was interesting because people liked it a lot and thought it was somehow braver than I thought it was. I thought it was my job mm. to go to that place, yeah. Um, but other people were like, "No, that's not what people do," but they loved it. Like it went over really well. Yeah. It was a well well received speech, but um, uh, I just thought it was my job, and other people were like, "Oh man, I can't believe you did that." Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, that speech is crazy for anybody who hasn't watched it yet. And yeah. here's the, and here's the thing: just at a really surface level, if you don't believe in charged objects, go to Comic Con, right? And you'll notice that people are selling things there. Yeah. Right. What do you think all of those things are? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. you'll see tricorders and you'll see, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like whatever. Oh, yeah. that's the boomstick from Hellboy. Oh, that's the right. What do you think all that stuff is? Yeah. And whatever that industry's worth. Yeah. I don't even know. Yeah. Right? It's like, it's all charged objects. Yeah. And so if you really want to, you know, it's just one more tool for your tool belt or whatever. Yeah. Right? Um. It's just, it's just funny. Like it just, when we were at Comic-Con, it just, it just hit my mind. I was like, all that stuff is, tr like it's all, all of it. That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's just a big old room full of charge Go to stuff. Disneyland. What yeah. do you think those things are? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So if that's the thing, if you do want to sell things. You'll never sell these mouse ears. <laughs> you know, you're like, it's yeah. a mouse. Mouse's ears don't even look like that. <laughs> yeah. They'll never buy these. So you're like, what are you talking? Like, yeah. People look goofy with these on. We're not going to sell any of them. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like, what yeah. are you doing? You don't yeah. understand how people work. Yeah. It's funny, you know, um, uh, nostalgia, selling nostalgia wasn't really a huge thing until uh, American Graffiti. Hmm. And uh, so George Lucas is, you know, reminiscing. was always at the center of that. I stuff, know. Like, reminiscing yeah. about his childhood. Yeah. Um, and or his teenagerhood. And, um, uh brought back all that stuff. All of a sudden people were selling, you know, records compilations of all those songs from that period and selling all that stuff. People were, you know, uh, people like to go back to, yeah. oh, I remember that. Simpler time that. or whatever. Yeah. yeah sure. Or a time when just to remember things, yeah. just a piece of the past, yeah. you know? So, and then you sell people, you can sell people pieces of their past. Oh, so all day easily. long. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because now that I'm- Because for them, it's a charge job. Like, I'm going to put on this song and this song- you know, you might not know this, but, you know, it was really hard to get a date with your mom the first time. And yeah. I, you know, I convinced her and it was our first song and I'm going to play it for you. That song you'll always hear and go, oh, that was my parent. You know, their first dance was to that song. Or... I had a friend who had uh, older parents uh, and they'd been through World War II and they got married during, I think, the war or something. And uh, so when, when their 50th anniversary came up, um his like his family he has a bunch of kids they're catholic they have a ton of kids and so they all got together and they were like we're gonna make this a 1940s themed uh you know anniversary party and they they found all the music and all the stuff and they and they like this is gonna be great and so then they 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 did it 
And then the mom was upset. And she's, she, they were like, why are we, you know, this is when you got married and all this music is great. And she's like, all this music, all this makes me think about is the war and how awful the war was and mm. everything we went through. It was a terrible time. <laughs> Just let the air out of the balloon. Yeah. Well, we love you, mom. Uh, you know, the intentions were good, I guess. But it, all it reminded her of was, was how terrible the war was and mm. that how worried everybody was about the people they knew who were going to war. And, yeah. you know, and yeah. Yeah. But that was a chart. Like, they thought it was going to be charged with yeah good things and it was charged with all these you can charge things in any direction man yeah oh yeah you can make a red hat mean something you can make a red hat mean something yeah as silly as that sounds you can make a hat mean something you can make anything mean something mm -hmm. well like i said it was weird to go to that place where the guy had clan like winter in memphis no oh, no, no, no. no 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 got it yeah yeah, yeah the the museum guy right yeah. like a clan outfit is nothing it's like a sheet with, yeah. the, you know? It's terrifying. It's terrifying. I remember we were walking around Memphis, mm -hmm. and you were like, you know what that is? And it's just like a concrete, like, little, like, speaking podium thing. And you're like, that's where they bought and sold people. Yeah. And it was like, what? And it was behind a church, and it was across the street from the courthouse. Yeah. And you're like, right there. All of a sudden, you're like, you didn't even know where to step. Right. It became almost this, like, holy place. Like, whoa. It's like walking into Auschwitz or something. Yeah. Where you're like, I don't, I almost feel like you should whisper. Yeah, it like, felt really... You know? Yeah. It becomes yeah, places get changed. Yeah. Yeah. Before that, I, I'd walked past that. I had no idea what, what it was. It was. Then later on, you're like, you know what that, I didn't know what that, yeah. I just walked past it. It was just a street corner. Yeah. But it and was, all of a sudden you look at everything differently and you're like, oh, dude. Yeah. They sold people there. And I, behind they, the church is where they sold people. Yeah. Yeah. And that was an old church. It may have been. Yeah. There, um, there was a platform there. Where there yeah. used to be a statue of the guy. There's mm -hmm. Nathan Bedford Forrest. And yeah, I they put a statue where he, where they used to sell people. Yeah. And uh, it's not there anymore, but I stood up there. Did yeah. I stand there when you were there? Yeah, we would. Yeah. But did I stand on that spot? Because I, I stood so. on that spot yeah. because um, I wanted to, I put myself, I tried to put myself in the position of being a person who would be on sale. Yeah. Yeah. And I try. I, I remember I stood there and I closed my eyes and I listened for what kind of birds I would hear, and mm. how the wind felt, and how all like to make it more real for myself. Yeah, yeah. Because you've written about that stuff in the past. Mm -hmm. But yeah. was this the first time you've been to a place where that had happened? Yeah, I think it's the first. Like time. an actual market. Yes. Like where they sold people. Yeah, it was the first time I. Yeah. Yeah. Been to a place like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there are places like that I'd like to go just for my own. Yeah. But I haven't, no, it's the only place I'd ever been like that. And it, it, that is definitely a charged yeah. space. Right. You know? Yep. Yeah, it's a trip. It is a trip. Wasn't that long ago, man. It's crazy. You yeah. said Stuart had actually met slaves. Stuart, uh, yeah, he was born in the 20s. And in the 20s, there were still people alive who had been slaves. And uh, he met a couple of slaves, yeah, that he, he uh, talked to at different times. He yeah. met these slaves. Yeah. And one woman told him, I've read about it since and other things, but one woman told him that uh, where she was a slave, that uh, they would feed the slaves out of a trough. Like they would throw this sort of gruel down a trough and the slaves would, enslaved people would eat out of this trough like pigs. Um, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. 
And that's what takes us back to this thing. Right. Bought a person for one of these or 10 of these or whatever it was. It's crazy. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. It's all patinaed and then it's still around. Yep. Like it doesn't look that old. No, it doesn't. Just a piece of metal. But you just think that that's it. That's what someone's life is worth. I brought it into the office one day and somebody wouldn't touch it when they knew what it was. Really? Yeah. She wouldn't touch it. She's like, no, I'm not touching that. That's charged. Yeah, because you not... also don't know how many different people were bought with that same. Yeah. Because how many times could it be exchanged back and forth? And... Yeah, I don't know. But Isn't that crazy? Isn't that... Yeah, but she would not touch it because, of the... because it was yeah, charged. Yeah, it's almost cursed now. Yeah. 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 Um, anyway. All right, charged objects. Yeah, well, I think, uh, yeah, I think that covers it. I think it does. Hopefully it made the point. I hope so. It's an awesome thing, though. When you understand how to use it, you could use it to make a point in a really effective way without saying anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a really valuable tool. And not enough people use it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for watching You Are a Storyteller. If you have any questions, or if there's a storytelling topic you'd like us to cover, leave a comment below or email us at hello at beliefagency.com.